Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, Convention of State supporters, and welcome back to another, another episode of COS Live. My name is Andrew Woodfell, I'll be your host, and I'm also joined by Rita Peters. Rita, how are you? I'm doing great. Getting excited for Christmas. Yeah, the season is here. It's all exciting. There's so much twinkling in the air. I'm, I can't wait for, uh, for Christmas as well. We have an amazing program lined up for our audience today. But let us know where you're tuning in from. What state are you watching? Drop a comment below. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're at it, give us a rumble, a retweet, a, a share, wherever you're getting your social media buzz, wherever you're tuning in from. Let's get the message out about Convention of States. It is the secret weapon that our founders gifted to us, and let's use it by spreading the word about it. We have today a special guest, and who is uh, none other than Congressman Chip Roy, who is a, an official Convention of States endorser. We're going to pick his brain about why he decided to endorse Convention of States. Also, we'll talk to him about Biden's unco unconstitutional vaccine mandate. We'll get his perspective on that as well. Uh, before we get to that, though, we do have our Article 5 trivia giveaway with COS Vice President Mike Ruthenberg. Mike, over to you. Thank you, Andrew. Here we are. Believe it or not, we're just about the middle of December, and we're closing in on, of course, a holiday season and the end of... Uh, Another crazy year, of course, 2020 was crazy. 2021 is crazy. I think 2022 is going to be amazing. It's already amazing. You know, we have seen a 70% growth in our grassroots in 2021. It's the biggest growth we've ever seen in a single year. And it's because there's so many people just like you that are out there that are tired of seeing all of the freedom going by the wayside that we don't want to see ultimately become the way it is for our kids and our grandchildren. Thank you so much, every one of you out there for being in the fight. And of course, my job is to come here and help you to get educated on Article 5 and, and support what the incredible work that both Rita and Andrew are doing to bring you the news, bring the interviews and bring the information of all the things that are happening. This, this year, there's been so many things happening, we can barely report them all to you. I'm sure you've been on conventionofstates.com. I'm sure you've had an opportunity to take a look at what's going on. I, I hope you're reading the weekly roundup. It's amazing what a resource that is because it has all the links you need to conventionofstates.com to get you the information you want. There's so much going on. What I wanna do right now is I want to help you celebrate the holidays by giving away one of our Christmas ornaments. We have a very limited number and very, very few left. This is what it looks like. I have a photo that I took this year on my tree. Here's the back of it on, uh, of all three of these in existence. This is the third one we've ever done. We have James Madison on here. It is a beautiful ornament. Get them while supply lasts. We have a special right now on shopconventionofstates.com. If you go there, and you spend $75, you will get a free ornament and free shipping. So that's our little holiday gift to you. But I'm going to give one of these away to the lucky person that can answer our question, our trivia question. And this is such a great endorsement for what Convention of States is all about and how many people that are freedom-loving presidents, in this case, are advocates for 
convention states. You guys know that we've had five presidential candidates all endorse convention states, and now we go back into the past. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, we uncovered a historic radio address from President Ronald Reagan talking about his support for an Article 5 convention. What a great moment it was to hear it in his voice, in Ronald Reagan's voice. You have heard that this week, or, or maybe you have, maybe you haven't heard that this week, we've made another rare discovery of audio from a U.S. president also speaking in favor of an Article 5 convention. Another 20th century president. He was giving a, commence, a commencement address at Defiance College over in Ohio. Here's our question. Who was that 20th century president who favored the calling of an Article 5 convention? What an important thing to know. And that is our question for today. Who was the 20th century president, other than Ronald Reagan, who favored the calling of an Article 5 convention? And I'll be back at the end of the show after you've had an opportunity to hear from our incredible guest from Texas, Chip Roy. Stay tuned, and I'll be back later. Joining us today is Chip Roy, who is a congressman representing the great state of Texas, and he recently became an official Convention of States endorser. Uh, congressman Roy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you. I want to jump right into my very first question. Before we get going with you know, your support for Convention of States, would you be able to fill uh, the audience in with what's going on in Washington, D.C.? Um, why should COS supporters know about what's going on with the NDAA, and why did you fight so hard? Uh, why did you fight so hard against it? Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate it. appreciate joining y'all, and, and I've been a uh, strong supporter of Convention of States dating back to my time working for the Texas Public Policy Foundation uh, four years ago. I got working there in the 10th Amendment Center trying to advance Convention of States around the country, including when we passed Texas uh, that year, and appreciate what Convention of States is trying to do. And, and frankly, little side note, I mean, to some of my colleagues out there, many of whom I respect, who raise concerns about Convention of States saying we're going to open up Pandora's box, I don't accept that. Uh, you know, I think we're working hard to get uh, the states necessary, the uh, 34 right uh, states necessary, to uh, get us to be able to have a Convention of States, to be able to address important issues, one of which, of course, is balancing the budget, another of which, of course, is limiting the power of states, uh, and another which is term limits. And the reason I mentioned the balance in the budget is because you raised the debt ceiling uh, and the issues going on right now here in town, what's happening here in Washington. And these things are relevant uh, to what the great people across the country trying to take their country back through a convention of states, why they're so concerned. And I'm going to keep raising up the flag here in, in Washington uh, when these guys continue to abuse the Constitution, abuse power by spending money we don't have. And frankly, I got to be blunt. That's people on both sides of the aisle. They, they spend money we don't have, they print money, and they do it knowingly. And one last point on that. This United States Senate today is going to vote on a probably party-line vote against a $2.5 trillion increase in the debt ceiling. Those Republicans who vote no will then go out and say, look at me, I'm against raising the debt ceiling. But the thing is, they all weren't. 14 Republicans uh, worked to pass a basically blow up of the filibuster, one of the safety mechanisms for us in Washington to prevent bad legislation on a one-time basis, I don't believe that, uh, to allow Democrats to raise the debt ceiling. So they voted for it and they did it and they knew what they were doing. Those are the games the American people are tired of and that's why there's a movement for the convention of states. Hmm. 
That's right. Well, Congressman, we are so grateful that you are there in Washington to take a stand on behalf of we the people. And you've been taking a bold stand lately against President Biden's vaccine mandates. Do you think your colleagues are doing enough to help fight back against this kind of tyranny? Well, uh, you know, I never I want to get too much into rating my colleagues per se, but I do I'll say this. We should all be united. Every Republican, every frankly member of Congress should be united against the unconstitutional, unlawful vax mandates being put forward by a tyrannical president. Okay. And look, I've got some bona fides here in that I view this on a nonpartisan basis. When President Trump was in office, I introduced the Article One Act uh, designed to limit the use of emergency powers by the executive branch. Now, I did that in the wake of President Trump's use of uh, some of the DOD money to use for fencing at our southern border, a proposition I support. It was an emergency. We have uh, a real crisis at our border, but there should be a limit to how long those dollars are available, to how the executive branch can make decisions about how you spend money without Congress taking action. So my point is, I think I can actually speak with some you know, degree of credibility that I think this is an important separation of powers issue and holding uh, the president accountable for stepping over the will of the American people, forcing people to choose between their livelihoods and having to take a, a, a forced vaccine when we know there are real risks. Heck, even Japan just put out a, a, a directive earlier this week, I think, saying, hey, we're going to encourage you to take the, the vaccines. We're not going to mandate it. And they put the risks, the known risks, on the packaging. Well, that's what we should be doing in America. Put out the vaccines. Say they exist. We're encouraging you if you think it's in your best interest, if you're older, if you're particularly vulnerable. But then put the warnings on there and don't mandate. In what world is the United States of America following on the issue of liberty and freedom and healthcare freedom? Hmm. Now, Congressman Roy, you are fairly new to Washington, D.C., especially when compared to some of your other colleagues who have made, uh, made careers of, out of being representatives. Um, from the outside perspective, from the, for the average American, uh, it seems like Congress is just not the functioning deliberative body that most of them kind of think of. Um, is it really as bad as many people think from the outside, or is it kind of better uh, than the perceptions and what's on the media. And is there something that might surprise our viewers? Yeah, Congress is fundamentally broken, uh, frankly, from top to bottom. Today, we're going to be uh, voting on a contempt resolution for my former colleague and good friend, Mark Meadows. Um, I think it is wrong. I think it's foolish. I think it's tearing apart the House. I think it's um, a, an abuse of the power of the uh, committee that I think was politically created. But without going down the weeds of that issue, my point is, we're destroying the House. Did you know we have not had a vote on the floor of the United States House of Representatives on an amendment in what we call open debate? That is, Chip Rory, I can walk down to the floor, I can take a piece of paper, and I can go stick it down and say, I want to amend this bill. We have not had that since May of 2016. That is with both Republicans and Democrats in charge. We're coming up on six years. This place is run by a handful of people in smoke-filled rooms. Um, they're not really smoke filled anymore, but we still use that example, but right there, there, there's a handful of people get together and decide what 2000 page monstrosity of a bill is going to be put on the floor of the house. I'm not allowed to amend it. And then I got to vote last week. I was one of three members of Congress who voted against a hundred million dollars a year for the next five years. Of course, it'll keep going. So $500 million over five years 
for some research funding for ALS. Now, my heart breaks for friends of mine that I've seen go through ALS. I'd like to do more. Maybe there's a role for the federal government, but this was not offset spending. It was just another $500 million authorized of additional spending without any reforms to NIH, without any reforms to the FDA. We just keep doing it. And only three of us were willing to call BS because it's a tough vote, right? No one wants to vote against helping people with ALS. Of course I want to do that. That's what's broken in this town. There's no real debate and there's no limits to what we do. There's no limit to how much we can spend. And if you don't have to have a limit, you're never forced to sit around a table, roll your sleeves up and do the hard work of representing the people instead of just you know, voting for bills to give the biggest amount of spending and whatever the people want to hear. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, we often talk about the importance of the the need to support candidates for federal office who will stand up to the establishment. But we also say that that will never be enough to fix the root of the problem, because the truth is that we don't just have a personnel issue. We have a structure problem. Over the past 100 years or so, the structure of our governing system has been fundamentally damaged. And no matter how many great people we send into a broken system, that system is designed to get the results that it gets at this point. In your experience, can Washington ever fix Washington? Well, look, I'm a member of Congress, and so I'm going to keep fighting to try to fix it. I think there are limiting powers we can put in place. Let me give you an example. Convention of states supports term limits. I support term limits. Um, will, will this body ever really want to vote to limit itself, to limit its terms? Probably not. But it's partly because it takes a constitutional amendment, right? That's why you guys have a convention of states to try to call for a meeting of the states to say, let's limit the terms on these guys. They won't limit their own terms. Well, there's another way we could go about doing that. We could actually pass a law that would take effect next Congress that says, you know, you can't uh, serve on any in, as a committee chairman or as a leadership, a member of leadership after serving 12 years, right? We could pass that by a majority vote. It's just a bill. You don't have to get to two thirds and amend the constitution. So there are things that we ought to try to force up here to start to head in the right direction. The truth is it, the term limits wouldn't do much for the average member of Congress. The average term is about eight years. That's fine. The fact is, what it would do is limit the fact that we've got basically octogenarians running the place who have been around this place for 40 years, right? The combined ages of the three Democrat leaders is about 220 something years. It's like the, the, it's the age of our country, right? That They're the folks running our country. And that's true on our side of the aisle too. So we need to, to, to transform this place. And, and, I, and I'm glad the Convention of States is out there pushing these narratives to try to hold uh, Congress's feet to the fire. And one final point on this, it's really important. The convention of states may be successful in calling a convention to change things, or it may not be. History will tell. You guys are working hard. But one thing we know is a number of the amendments that Congress has passed that have been adopted in the Constitution have been done so because there was a convention of states effort. There was an effort from the people in the states demanding change, and then Congress reacted. So, Let's keep having a debate about spending, about the abuse of power under the Commerce Clause, and about limiting uh, terms of members of Congress. Let's have those debates, and then let's see where they go. 
Uh, Congressman Roy, since we're on the topic of limiting the federal government and using a convention to limit the federal government, you've been a supporter of Convention of States, like you said at the very beginning of this broadcast, for a very long time, even before you were a congressman. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I've heard that you were very helpful in getting the resolution passed in Texas. Well, I worked really hard on that uh, when I was with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, uh, and I have been uh, an outspoken supporter of, of the Convention of States effort now for a good probably four or five years. I have to think about what, what time it is, what year it is. Yeah, five, over five years. Um, but here's one thing. I've got some friends of mine that I respect immensely, people, friends of mine in the Freedom Caucus. I won't mention my name here, but who have raised concerns and issues with the Convention of States. And the concern they raised, and I understand it, it was a concern I had to get over the hump on, is, all right, are we going to open up Pandora's box by calling a convention? And, you know, someone, a friend of mine tweeted recently, what, do you really think we have a bunch of legislators uh, in these legislatures across the country who respect the Constitution and limited government? And he raised some serious questions about some of the dumb things some states do. True. Uh, but remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about an effort by states to push up these issues. And I've already mentioned the issues, term limits, the use of the 10th Amendment, in I mean, the, I'm sorry, the Commerce Clause in particular and Spending Clause to have too much federal power. And then obviously term limits uh, and, and limiting spending. Those things are things that the people can speak and you can call conventions that are targeted to those. And the thing that's unique about the Convention of States effort is it's not a hodgepodge of calls from states because certain legislators say, well, I've got an idea. Let's call a convention to do X. This is a national effort to pass the same language so that there's no confusion as to what specifically the states are being called to do. So I think that is a good, uh, organized, um, you know, targeted effort that I think the American people uh, should understand and appreciate to try to transform our country. Mm -hmm. Well, we were so thrilled a few years ago to have Texas become the 11th state to adopt our Article 5 application, and we look forward to more of the same in the coming legislative session. I want to ask you about something that happened in Texas more recently, though, that Convention of States activists also had a hand in. Earlier this week, there were elections in Texas, specifically in Houston, where multiple seats on the Houston school board were flipped and Convention of States volunteers actually made over 16,000 calls in those elections. COS volunteers also participated in the elections recently in my home state of Virginia, and there was a huge swing in the statewide races as well as the House of Delegates. What do these elections tell us about the state of the nation? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and, and let me pause and say that the army of people who understand why it's so important to pressure Washington and do so through a convention of states can and should be mobilized to go accomplish objectives as we're, as we're continuing to go down that road. So I'm glad to see so many uh, people affiliated with convention of states get involved with these, these important culture war battles. Uh, and that's what we're talking about. When I go out and talk out in Texas to constituents, I think there's three things we need. We need a strong Texas. And of course that's true in every state. You live in Virginia. We need a strong state. We need a strong Texas. Um, we need to hold Republicans accountable. We need to make Republicans do what they say they're going to do. Let's go pass good bills. Let's go limit government. Let's go reduce spending. Let's go uh, have a limited use of our military, but have a strong military that we can use sparingly. Let's have a secure border, et cetera. And thirdly, we need to win the culture wars. What do I mean by that? 
I don't mean what we're saying in a, in a traditional sense in terms of life or marriage or abortion. What I'm saying is we need to win the minds and hearts of people, the grassroots community. And we saw this unfold in Virginia, where we saw what happened in Loudoun County. You, you live in Virginia. Uh, it was an absolute abomination what occurred there. Now, I happened to go to high school in Loudoun County. Mm. This was very personal for me, uh, watching what unfolded there. And uh, Virginians reacted. And we saw that. Now, you know, we'll see what happens with the legislature and the governor and how solid they are in the end. I hope we push them to be really solid. But it sure is not Terry McAuliffe. And we sure sent a message to those school boards that they can't run over the parents. We're seeing that in Houston. We're seeing that throughout Texas, Southlake uh, near near Dallas. Uh, They're kind of front and center on this issue. Uh, But we win this fight when the American people remember these school boards, they report to them. They report to the people. So let's go force the hands across this country. Let's take our schools back. Let's go take our communities back. Uh, that's where we're losing this. We're losing our young to the woke uh, you know, indoctrination occurring in our K through 12 schools and our universities. Stop funding this garbage. Just say no. Mm. And that's, that's what's important here. Mm. I love that last part. Just say no. <laughs> Stand up. That's, that's really great. Um, we have one final question for you, Congressman, um, and it's a question that we love to ask all of our guests when they come onto the program. Our Article 5 resolution, it covers three topics, uh, fiscal restraints, term limits for elected officials, and also uh, reducing the jurisdiction and the size of the federal government. Um, and that resolution is now passed in 15 states, including your own home state of Texas. Uh, given that you've been in Congress and that you're very familiar with these topics, is there a particular amendment idea that you would want to see passed at a convention that would help restore the republic and put the people back in charge? Yeah, well, look, I mean, if you ask me what's the single most important thing that we need to be able to do as a policy matter to save the United States of America, to save the republic, and that's what we're talking about. I mean, that, that's what's at stake. Um, it is that we have to stop the ability of members of Congress to come to Washington and spend money we don't have, funding the very tyranny that is killing us, that is killing freedom. We're funding the education bureaucrats that are indoctrinating our kids. We're funding a Department of Homeland Security that currently is refusing to faithfully execute the laws and secure the border of the United States. We're funding Dr. Fauci and NIH and CDC and what they're doing with these vax mandates. We're funding an FBI that's targeting parents who dare stand up against their school boards. We're funding a uh, Department of Defense that was that just left a bunch of assets in Afghanistan. We gave them more money, as a matter of fact, without any accountability for what occurred there or how that they've been uh, advancing woke climate change agenda uh, throughout the Department of Defense, right? Why do we do this? Stop it. And look, the best way to do that is for Congress to do it right now. But if the people want to speak up, they're gonna have to restrain members of Congress from the easy path of printing money and then using that money to buy votes because that's what they do. They print money that we don't have, killing our country, racking up $30 trillion of debt, funding tyranny so they can go home and sell a named post office or go sell a feel good program to solve some problem while killing our country in the process. Congressman Roy, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for giving us your time. We hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Yeah, happy to do it anytime. Merry Christmas, y'all. You too. Merry Christmas. All right, we are going to go over to Mike Ruthenberg, who has the answer to our Article 5 trivia question. Mike, 
Over to you. All right, thank you, Andrew, Rita. What a great show. And I hope that you recall back to the trivia question. Hopefully you were the one that won our incredible Christmas ornament because that's what we're giving away. We have very few left. We will be out. We, of course, won't back order these things. And this is our 2021 edition of the COS Christmas ornament. I have all three hanging on my tree. Hopefully you will get one if you go to convention, shopconventionestates.com, shopconventionestates.com. And you can buy one of these ornaments if you didn't win it. And you can also get one for free if you spend $75 or more with the store. Not only we get the ornament for free, but we will make the shipping free as well. Some great holiday gifts on shopconventionstates.com. Hopefully you're there. So here's our question from earlier. Who was the other 20th century president who favored the calling of an Article 5 convention. You remember a while ago, we uncovered a Ronald Reagan speech, and of course, it was great to hear that. And now, in a new rare find, there is another president who, during a commencement speech at Defiance College, was uh, the one who advocated for an Article 5 convention. The answer, President Dwight David Eisenhower. In his, he's the other one who spoke in favor of an Article 5 convention, calling an Article 5 convention. Eisenhower, 34th president of the US and supreme commander of the Allied Expeditionary Force in Europe during World War II, knew a thing or two about freedom. He understood the importance of self governance and the dangers of losing power to a distant bureaucracy. That's why when he agreed to give a commencement address, at Defiance College in Ohio, he decided to tell them about the most powerful tool to rein in the tyrannical bureaucracy, an Article 5 Convention of States. Here's what he said. Against the possibility that ordinary and customary processes of self-government might weaken or be found ineffective or later laws and interpretations of original constitutional intent might conflict with the mass convictions of Americans, the founders provided a final and decisive means of reformation and restoration by the people themselves. And we uncovered this audio address and we've published it on our website, but here's a little clip of it so you can get a feel for it. I'm going to flip over to that and then we'll go back to Rita, who will close us out. Against the possibility that ordinary and customary processes of self-government might weaken or be found ineffective, or later laws and interpretations of original constitutional intent might conflict with the mass convictions of Americans, the founders provided a final and decisive means of reformation and restoration by the people themselves. Through their state legislatures and without regard to the federal government, the people can demand and participate, participate in constitutional conventions in which they can, through their own action, adopt such amendments as will reverse any trends they see as fatal to true representative government. May you be a generation that a half century hence can proudly say, we maintained and furthered the American experiment born in 1776 and confirmed in 1789. 
we made certain that in our time, freedom's flag would be more firmly nailed to the masthead of self-government. In short, we helped the nation to march on in faithful dedication to her own ideals to fulfillment of her destiny. Godspeed you. Thanks, Mike. We do this show every week to reach, teach, and activate Americans with the constitutional empowerment gifted to we the people. The framers knew this day might come, and that's why they included Convention of States in Article 5 of the Constitution. If you're ready to take your place among the Americans who did whatever it took to save the Republic, sign up for one of the volunteer roles with COS. Go to conventionofstates.com and click the Take Action tab to get started. And after you take action, make sure that you follow us on all the social media platforms that we are on, including Rumble, MeWe, Facebook. Well, you're already on Facebook, uh, Parlor, Instagram, and we've recently joined TikTok as well. So be sure to follow us there. Look at all the content, like and share the content. Uh, if you'd love, if you'd like to listen to this program uh, through podcast, you can. You can listen to this and other historic historic legacy content on our Convention of States pod, podcast. Just search uh, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Audible, um, wherever you listen to podcasts, you, you'll be able to find us. Make sure that you leave a five-star review because that helps us grow the show. If you'd like to bypass big tech and still be in the know with important COS messages and information, text START to 54555. Again, that's START to 54. Five five five. Check out the battle cry with COS co-founder and president Mark Meckler. It's on every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see you next week for another edition of COS Live at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionalstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.